0: Good morning. It's great to have you here with us. If you're watching online or today or later this week, we're glad you're here as well. And if this is your first time here, okay, if this is your first time here ever or in a few weeks, let me tell you what we're doing. We're in this series called Shaken, but as you're going to soon see, it is far more than a series. We are entering now into a new season at White Oak that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, and our goal, our, our first and primary goal, is that a 100% 100% of us are on this journey together over the next couple of years as we launch into this season. Now, we've created a guide for you, so I, I hope you've been bringing that guide back with you each week. If you haven't got a guide yet, we have some people stationed around that, that have one, so could you put your hand up, and don't be shy to do it. I mean, if maybe you, this is your first time here, or maybe you've missed it over the last couple of weeks. We've got some up here in the balcony, So so just put your hand up because we want to make sure we've got a guide in everybody's hand because this is going to be a tool for you now and really over the next couple of years, okay, couple of years. So put your hand up, let them know. They'll toss one at you, just, just brace yourself, okay? So everybody's got one, all right, good. Because what you're gonna find in that guide, okay, there's a several things. You're gonna see the vision for Shaken, it's gonna answer a lot of your questions about what, what the Shaken initiative, what this season is launching us into. You're gonna see um, message notes, which today we're gonna be on page 34, where you can jot down some message notes. There's, there's, there's group material that's, that you can go through on your own, okay, it's not too late to catch up, jump in, go through that material on your own. Take you a few minutes each week just to go through. You're going to get the best experience out of this season the deeper in you go. Okay. Also, what you're going to notice attached to that book is, is a commitment card. And as, as the weeks roll on here, we're going to talk more about this. But I just want to ask you to take that commitment card. You don't have to do anything with it today. Put it someplace at home where it's prominent, where it's just going to cause you to pause and pray over these next few weeks. Okay, pause and pray, say, what's God going to shake up inside of me, and what could he be calling me to do? All right, so put that somewhere um, prominent so that you can use it as a prayer tool. So in Acts chapter 4 in the New Testament of the Bible, we see Peter and John have been released from prison for speaking the name of Jesus. And they gather together with a group of believers in that home and they start praying. They just start praying to God. And we're gonna talk about what some of that prayer content looks like today. But, but when they pray, it says when they finish praying, that the, the power of God literally shakes that room. Okay, it shakes the, the room and the space where they were meeting and they are moved out of that space preaching the name of Jesus and speaking the name of Jesus with boldness. And White Oak family, listen, listen, that's what I'm praying for us. That's what I'm praying for for myself, my wife, and my my kids, my home, and for you, and, and for White Oak, is that we would ask God and anticipate in this season, like right now, we would anticipate and ask him to do such big things in and through us, individually and corporately, collectively, that we would anticipate him doing such powerful things that only he can do in us, that he moves us out with boldness to do it through us to continue to impact our city, in the world, and in the new things he has for us to do. That's what I'm praying for this season, and that's what I'm asking him to do for us. I'm going to read a parable today that Jesus tells Okay, we're going to read a terrible, and we're going to be in Luke 16. So if you want to turn there, we have Bibles at the hub out here. Actually, they're free. So if you don't have one, we'd love for you. You can grab one afterwards if you want. Bring it up on your phone if you've got the, a Bible app on your phone. Um, Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a parable, which is a story, and Jesus uses stories all the time, that, that points towards a spiritual truth. Now, we're going to read through the entire thing, so bear with me. Okay, it's a little bit long here in Luke chapter 16. Okay, but we're going to start with verse 1. Okay? So follow along with me. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What should I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings." Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, on page 34 in your guide, I'm going to ask you to write something down. And you can get this at shakenchurch.com. I meant to mention that earlier and forgot. Shakenchurch.com. We have a digital copy of this guidebook and everything that we have going on with Shaken. You can access right there at shakenchurch.com. But I want you to write this down on page 34. It's our big idea for today. God owns it, you manage it. This truth right here will change, it has the potential to change the trajectory of your life. God owns it, you manage it. Write that down where it says big idea. Now, not many of us in our culture see ourselves as managers of things, okay? We actually tend to see ourselves more as owners, okay? We tend to see ourselves more of owners. So, for example, I say, I buy things, and when I buy purchase them I own them I own those things when when I wake up and, and you had a, we have a, we had an extra hour whether today or last night however you saw it it's my time I own it I'll decide what I do with it we really prefer to see ourselves as owners it's just how we operate especially in our western culture the money I earned I worked for it's mine I own it right we occupy our thinking so often all right with how to acquire more things that I can own, that I can call my own. That's really kind of just drives us on a daily and weekly basis. We think about ourselves now, and we really like to consider our future selves later as owners. What can I own? What do I own? What will I have? But that's not how the world operated in Jesus' day. For the most of the people that Jesus is speaking to, there was an upper wealthy class, and everybody else was underneath them. So the wealthy class owned all of the property. They owned, their wealth was, was tied up in, in property and real estate and livestock. Those were the wealthy people. And most other people in that day, they worked for or produced for the wealthy landowners, okay? They, they worked for, they rented from, okay? They leased from, okay? And, and they, or they were stewarded the assets of the wealthy class. It's just how the system worked in, in the ancient world. And you can think of other times in history where that's really been the case too in various places in the world. So what does stewardship mean? We're going to use it interchangeable with, um, I will, with manager. Manager, stewardship, I'm going to use it interchangeably. Okay. So what does stewardship mean? Well, simply speaking, stewardship, the job of supervising or taking care of something. The job of supervising or taking care of something. You see, we like to think of ourselves as owners because the truth is often we're not very good stewards. Okay, so we prefer to be the owners. When I was just out of high school, and I was starting at Miami University in Oxford, and uh, I got a job at Pizza Hut. It's not there anymore. I'll just take a, minute, a moment of silence. Um, all right. I got a job at Pizza Hut, and, and I can tell you that every shift that I worked at Pizza Hut, I ate far more food than the employees were allowed to on a shift. All right, I took home a ton of food, more than we were ever allowed. Also at that same time, my freshman year of college, I worked at Miami's uh, Recreational Sports Center, and, um, and, and I was kind of like just in like uh, custodial work at there. And I could tell you this with, with certainty, that I was not the only employee that would go and hide in the locker rooms just to pass time, all right, hiding there so I didn't have to actually do work all right? And may I add, this was before smartphones, so I would just rather just sit in the locker room, bored to tears, rather than pick up a mop and clean something, all right? That's what I did. Now, I I know, I I know, you would think, I've matured a little bit since then, all right? I've matured just a little bit since then, but what about you? It actually is tough, isn't it, when you're working for or spending someone else's, like you're, you're, you're working for someone else. It's their time they're expecting you to, get, you, know, you to serve their time, to serve their money, right? And some of us can have a little bit of a struggle sometimes. And you've, if you've had a job, you know it. At some point in your life, maybe you're there now. Well, when you're working for um, the man, as the cultural statement goes, is it's kind of easy sometimes to slack off a little bit and not give as much as you could or as you should. Maybe you own a business, all right? Or maybe you're, you are a, a, in a place of management and you have employees. Any of you ever have employee issues? Never? No, you do all the time. You do all the time. You have employee issues all the time. Why? Why? Because I think we'd much rather see ourselves as owners instead of stewards of someone else's stuff. And that's just how we prefer to find it. Well, today we're going to notice something. Well, a couple things, but one is, I hope this, from Acts chapter 4. And I want you to write this down on on page 34 in your guide. It's it's a passage again. So we we were in Luke 16. I hope maybe you jotted that down. But Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23 through 28. All right, so as were places where you're writing down passages, you're going to want to go back and reflect on those later. Acts 4, 23 through 28. So turn with me to the Acts chapter 4 passage, all right, and let's look at this. So Peter and John, like I said, have just been released from prison. They were speaking the name of Jesus and had been arrested by the religious authorities and then released. Verse 23. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Then go back, go to 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, I want, I, want you to, I want to point out to you how this prayer starts. Sovereign Lord, everything is yours. an odd place to start. So first and foremost on these believers' minds when upon this re- the release of their two friends was to pause and say, God, everything we see is yours. You created it. You own it. It's yours. You are sovereign and you have control and power over everything. You have such control and power, even if we fail to submit to you, even when, when God's enemies work against him, he works it for his purposes. It's powerful. I told you, that posture right there can change the trajectory of your life. God owns it. And you and I manage it. But it's all his. And that's a key to our understanding, if, and, and I think, I don't know that any of us would be here today if there wasn't at least a part of us who wants to see God move in and through us. We want to experience that, and this is critical on that journey, to understand this, that it's all his. So in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples this parable. Now it's an odd parable, I'll tell you, All right. It's a very odd one. I've only spoken on it maybe twice ever in my years of, of preaching, all right? Because it's kind of odd. So you managers in that day, so you have this landowner who's calling together his estate manager, and the manager in that day, as you might imagine, did just that. He oversaw the property. He ever saw the businesses running out of the estate and the farm or the vineyard or whatever, you know, whatever this landowner produced? He was in charge of the employees, the cash flow, making money for the estate. So the manager was a pretty, pretty big deal. Everything that the owner had, he entrusted to his manager to oversee. And, and Jesus says that this manager was um, wasteful or irresponsible. Okay, not necessarily um, like stealing or anything. He's just um, sitting in the locker room, all right? And taking a lot of breadsticks home, okay? So that's what he's doing. So, so when the manager realizes that he's going to be jobless, he starts to trim the bills of all of the landowners' debtors. He starts trimming them. And then what you have to assume, that's not overtly in the text, but it has to be there, is that the manager then is backfilling the rest of that debt with his own money. To give to his master, so he's trimming these bills to get in the good graces of his landowner's debtors, so they'll have, help have a place to go when he's jobless. Okay. Now, at the end of the parable, and this is the odd part, it says that the landowner actually commends the manager for acting shrewdly. And if it actually helps us, and it helps me a little bit, you can actually insert the word wisely in there. Okay. So he commends the, the manager for acting wisely. Okay. Now, he hadn't done a good thing. He had been dishonest, okay? he um, He had compromised his integrity or maybe his character, all right, and what he had done. But he had, this is critical, but he had been careful to plan ahead for himself. He had been careful to ensure a secure future for himself. God owns it, and we manage it have been careful to ensure a secure future for himself. So Jesus was not, then this is, this is the part that, that gets me, and, and I want to make sure it's clear. Jesus is not telling his disciples, hey, just do whatever it takes, even by dishonest or, or compromise your character to, you know, to do whatever it takes to get ahead. That's not what he was saying. He was teaching that they should use material things for spiritual benefits, He was teaching a good lesson from a bad example. And there's three applications that Jesus points out from this parable that he teaches his disciples that I want to point out for you this morning, okay? And you can write this down, some of these, if if you think it will be helpful for you. The first one is, use money to win people into the kingdom. Okay, use money, straight up, use wealth, use resources, use money, to get people into the kingdom. Remember what happens in verse eight, okay? Look, Jesus says this, look what he says. He says, the master commanded the dishonest, (laughs) commended, sorry, words matter, all right? The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted wisely, we'll say. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's all gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, let's unpack that for a second, okay? Because it, it's, it's a little confusing. There's a difference, Jesus says, between how the people of this world steward the things that they have and the people of the light. That is, those of us who have been called and, and live as Jesus, as our Savior, so there's a difference between how people of this world steward the things that they have from how the people of the light steward the things that we've been given. You see, a lot of times we, we will say to ourselves, we'll say on the right here, we'll, we'll say at maybe in a private moment that we want to be closer to God. And, and that's probably a lot of us have said that. We want to have a deeper faith right? We, we want more of God, God's movement. We want more of his, to experience more of him in our lives. And I think that's something that all of us have said, uh, and we probably say it often, but we still want to maintain control. We still want to make, maintain control. So what we say is, God, I want to see you moving in my life, of course. I mean, I'm, you know, that, that's what I want. But I want to remain, I want to maintain ownership of my dating life. I want to retain ownership of my marriage, I want to retain ownership of my sexuality. But God, I want to see you move my life. Now, I, God, I, I'm going to just do just kind of the, the religious works that I think that it takes to stay in your good graces. right? Just the religious works that I think that it takes, say the right words, do the right things, so that I believe that, that, that I've appeased you enough, but I'm going to control that, I'm going to maintain that, I'll set the priorities, I'll set the schedule. We want to maintain ownership over our business practices, right? Over our relationships. Over our time, so that the bulk of our money and our time and our resources can be spent on our own agenda. But, God, I, I, I want deeper faith. I do. And I think that's a sincere ask for most of us. We want to maintain control. But God owns it. He owns it. He is sovereign. And we manage it. So Jesus instructs his listeners to do this one thing use wealth for the sake of other people. Use wealth for the sake of others. So when you surrender wealth, when you and I surrender wealth for the poor, without restrictions, without judgment, we're being good stewards. Or being, you're being wise, okay? When you and I use our money for kingdom impact, when we look and we say, God, where is God working? What is God doing in the world? What's God doing in my life? What's God doing in the, around the city, around Coraine Township, around Cincinnati? Where is he at work? And you join him there and offer your wealth to do it. That's wise management. When we surrender our resources without excuses, to further God's mission on this earth. That's good stewardship. And in doing that, Jesus says, you secure a future of trust in your own life, trust in him, like you're building into a a, a present and future trust in, in your heavenly father and you're building into other people's lives, Jesus Use wealth to draw other people to the kingdom. That's wise, friends. That's wise. Here's the second thing Jesus is applying to this story. If you are faithful in the use of money, then you can be trusted with greater things. If you are faithful with the use of money, then you'll be entrusted to greater things. Here's something that I didn't understand for a long, long time, and I don't claim to understand it fully now. My 401k or my savings account or my paycheck or a high-paying job or arriving where I can own like two properties in two different states, that's not the best and greater things that your heavenly father has for you. That's not it. We think it's it but it's not. Look what happens in verse 10. Okay. Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what are, like, if it's not my paycheck and it's not, how much I, and it's not how much is in my savings account, it's not how much is in my retirement, it's not what I own. If that's not the greater things that this life has to offer, then what are the true and greater riches that Jesus talks about? You ready for this? I have no idea. Okay, I don't know. But what I do know is this, that God has given each and every one of us a pot of stuff to manage. He's given every single one of us a a certain pot of stuff to manage for him. And depending on how we manage it will determine a future blessing that we don't have our hands on right now. That's what I know. When I think about this commitment card and I told the Ross... uh, church congregation um, last week. This has been on my refrigerator since like March. I know you've had it less time, but it's been on my refrigerator. And the refrigerator happens to be someplace I go to a lot. All right. So I hate that it's staring at me. In fact, my kids pointed it out the other day. Like you said that this has been on here since March and you keep looking at it. And what do you think? Like, shut up, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. All right. Because this has been eating at me since March. And Denise and I, my wife and I, we have been saying, okay, what what is God going to ask us? What is he asking us to surrender more? Because here's the thing that Denise and I have talked about when we've talked about it, all right? Is that I'm well aware, I'm well aware that God has given Denise and I a pot of stuff to manage. All right? I'm well aware that he's given me a good pot of stuff to manage. He's been good. And I'm also well aware that his spirit is stirring in me, that I want to obey in this season, I want to be obedient to him in ways that I have not been before. And I know that's going to take something. And I'm asking God to move in and through us, just as I'm asking you to say, God, how will you move in and through, through you? As we prepare for Advanced Commitment Night, and, and, and next Friday... Next Friday at the Museum Center, I think it's November 11th. I want to personally invite you, my brothers and sisters, my church family, to, to register at shakenchurch.com and come out. Because this is where our White Oak family, anybody who's ready to, to lead out, to just step out ahead of the rest of us and say, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to this place that God's taken me. And come, join us. We've already got over 100 people registered and we've got lots more space. We'll have access to the museums, but we're going to have a night of worship and celebration, and people are going to be sharing stories, and we're going to have some food together, and we're just going to have a great time. But more importantly, we're going to lead out. We're going to step out. We're going to say, we're ready for God to start doing something in and through us so that when we come back on Sunday, November 20th here in just a couple weeks, when our entire church family steps in together with our commitment, we can boldly move together seeing how church family members went ahead to lead the way. You see, Jesus calls my wealth, this pot that Denise and I have, the same pot that you and I, that, that you have, Right, this pot of stuff, Jesus calls that a little thing. It's not much, right? It's a little thing. Your money and your wealth, the stuff that you manage, it's a little thing. Jesus says that your money is a small token of the wealth that God has given you and wants to give to you. Your money is a little thing. But see, you and I get caught up because we think it's an ultimate thing. And that's why we get a little protective about it. That's why we can kind of get a little uncomfortable with it. That's why we can get a little offended by conversations around it. It's why that we, want, we put our trust in it. It's why we find security in it. It's true. It's true for all of us. But Jesus calls all of that. Man, he's like, man, that's a, that's, that's a little thing. Don't get stuck in that place. Don't get stuck here. Because if you do... Here is as good as it's ever going to get for you. Here's the third application that Jesus makes from this parable. Lastly, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, none of us would say that we serve money. No one, I mean, I think that would be a ridiculous thing. To, yeah, really, I do. I serve money. Money is my God. Like, we, we would never say that. But, it, but it's actually not ridiculous. Because the way that we know whether we serve money or not is how we answer a simple question. And um, before we get there, before we answer that question, I want you to hear John and Lisa Mode's story about how God is shaking them up. Just to go ahead and take a look.
1: Part of being loved with the Lord is um, when he says, move, you know, he's going to shake people up and you got to be ready to move.
2: John, and this is my wife, Lisa Mode. We've lived in this area for 11 years now and have been blessed to be associated with White Oak for the last uh, year.
1: It's not just a, a one part of your life. Um, it's not just your, your gifts and talents that he's going to require. He's going to require a lot of other stuff. Um, there's gotta be sacrifices he's gonna require. As you mature and age in your relationship with Christ, you want to grow, you want to learn more. So that's always going to be there. But for me, financially, just honestly, there's a lot of stuff to do on this farm to keep up and it requires money and, and so for some of those things and you know we have five sons I've got our grandkids and I like spending money on them that's that's my my love talk is buying things for people giving gifts um, and so when we've kind of talked about you know what our financial donation would be towards the church there is a wrestling in the back of my mind you know that that would do this or <laughs> I could do this for my kids instead and and I, I feel you know more and more called it's like nope you know this is kind of what God has called us to and that's where it's going to go and, uh, and like I, I said earlier you know anytime God asks you to do something it's not always easy um, but it's always worth it in the long run, it's always, always worth it,
2: so. You know, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing through the Shaken Initiative at White Oak in that uh, the church has many, many wonderful and powerful programs that are already active and in place. Um, those programs require resources. And certainly for those programs to grow and for new programs that we may not even have been led to, to begin at this point. You
1: know, God doesn't do things halfway. He does them, you know, magnificently.
2: We are excited to see as the body rallies around this initiative and people give of their time, talent, and treasure, what the Lord will do at White Oak in the years to come.
0: Did you hear Lisa wrestling with this management? Did you hear her say that? Like this farm, got five kids, I've got grandkids. And she's wrestling with that. She said, but but, but this, when you surrender, when you surrender, when you say, Nope, this is this is how the spirit's this the spirit's shaking. When you surrender, God doesn't do anything halfway. I hear that. Jesus says, When I shake up, your life and your finances to move you to deeper steps of trust. Just imagine what I can do in your heart. Money's a little thing. Imagine what I could do in your heart. Imagine what I could do for your your identity. Imagine what I could do with your purpose. Imagine what I'll do in the lives of people that you have not met and may never meet. God owns it, and you manage it. And the question that we have to ask ourselves in this season right now is, does my spending and saving drive my giving? Or does my giving drive my spending and saving? It's a question about priorities. It's a question about who's first. And when we surrender our stuff, our our wealth, let me just say it because this is what Jesus is talking about. When we surrender something that we love for someone that we love more, church, that is when you begin to become good stewards of God's beautiful grace. When we repent of not being loving like our heavenly father is loving, when you and I get on our knees and we repent and say, I've, not been, I've, had, I've had misordered priorities and loves. The loves in my life have been disordered and I repent of that father. I wanna be a singular focused lover. Then we're gonna see him move in powerful ways you will see him move in powerful ways toward those greater things that he has for you. Jesus did this the night before he died. Father, I want to keep my life. Is is what he prayed. I don't want to die, but I want what you want more. And I surrender it for every man and woman who's ever lived. Jesus stewarded his life for your release and for mine. And now he's given us a pot. And we pray that he is sovereign and owns it all and worship him for it and surrender our stuff to him, not to gain release, but because we've experienced release. Here's what I want to ask you to do. This week, you've been managing something of God's for a long, long time, many things, everything. But there's something that you and I are holding back. Take a step of surrender towards something that God is nudging you to do by putting him first above all else. Pray with me. Father, sovereign Lord, you are God over all things, creation, the wind, weather, every living thing, you've thought it up, it's yours, you own it, we return it back to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for the sake of others, for the sake of your kingdom work, for the sake of you being first in our lives. Forgive us for our disordered loves, Father, and reorder our hearts. We ask you this, to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.